Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. I'm going to be reading out of the book of John, the book of John, chapter 4, very extremely uh, popular portion of scripture. Haven't read this in a long time, and I am going to jump around a little bit in different scriptures that are completely different contextually, but it'll all make sense at the very end of the service. Let's read this, John chapter 4, verse 3. And he, meaning Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus. He, Jesus, left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he first needed to go through Samaria. And so he came to the city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. And now there was a well there. Now, now I need to emphasize that legally, or according to tradition, Jesus should not have been going through Samaria. They were supposed to go around because that particular region was of a mixed origin or a mixed culture. Kind of like if an, uh, you know, an Asian marries a Caucasian and they have a baby together, they're offspring. So they weren't uh, full, thoroughbred Jewish people. Does everybody understand that? So Jesus, according to culture, Jesus would have been labeled unclean if he were to go through that region. They didn't want him there. They didn't uh, communicate very well. As a matter of fact, they were at odds with each other. So I want you to notice that Jesus went somewhere that was less culturally accepting. Does everybody understand that? Okay. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well, and it was about the sixth hour. I believe that was around, it was noontime. A woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For what? For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, you see that being a Jew, are talking to me? Say, You being a Jew, have no business talking to me. Yes. And he said, ask, how do you ask me for a drink? A, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Somebody say, Jesus has something better to offer than you have to offer him. And then the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. In other words, her issue was deep. Say her issue was deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him or her a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to her, Sir, give me this water that I might not thirst anymore, nor come to draw. And Jesus said, Go, 
Call your husband. Tell him to come here. And the woman answered and said to him, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you have said well, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands. That's pretty awkward. And the one whom you now have is not your husband, and in that you spoke truly. Jesus is a boss. The woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me. See, honey, there's nothing wrong when I call you woman. <laughs> woman, believe me. I'm behind the pulpit. I'm safe. It's like there's like a Holy Ghost protection here. Somebody might need to follow me home. Woman, believe me. She said, I need to catch you right home. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You will worship. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is of the Jews. You see, you see the tension, the culture tension there. But the hour is coming and now is. Say, now is the time. Yeah. When true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Did you know that the Lord is, is seeking whether or not you want to worship him? He looks for that. Matter of fact, he waits. That's why we wait and worship so many times. Lord, how do you want to be worshiped? Because he's seeking those who would worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. You may have your seats. I'm going to try to be as yielded as possible in my heart to get out what I have deeply rooted in my heart in the next 15 or 20 minutes. When I look at the time, it restrains me and constrains me. But I really believe that there's something in this text that is really going to encourage you. But before I do, I want to build just a tiny bit of framework. Um, I was thinking this morning, I was, I was, I was reading over these notes. When I, when I think about all the people that God has chosen throughout history, as I've studied the Bible for now over two decades, each and every single person didn't have like just flaws. They had real issues. Yeah, they had what I would call gaps. Like if you think about it, and I'll maybe even wait for an answer, there's, is there even one person in the Bible other than Jesus, you can't use Jesus as one of the characters. Other than Jesus, who did not have dramatic flaws, whether someone was divorced, whether they were a murderer, whether they told lies. And I'm talking about the patriarchs of faith. I'm talking about those who wrote the Bible. Abraham had issues. Peter would cuss you out. He cut people's ears off. I mean, the Bible is full of people who had dramatic issues. And I think, I think a lot of people in the body of Christ right now do not fulfill the calling of God on their lives because when they look 
closely at themselves, they see all of their personal defects that everybody else doesn't see. And what most people are worried about doing, serving or fulfilling a calling, is because we know when we get too close to people, they see our stuff. The problem is, is if you get close to anybody other than Jesus, including Pastor Donnie, PD, you're going to find out that every single person has issues because we live in a fallen world. Does, that, does, does everybody understand that? Like we all have problems. I like to not call them problems. I like to call them gaps. You know, I almost ordered on Amazon those Bubba teeth. You know what? Y'all never seen Bubba teeth? You know. She knows. She knows. She said she knows. Bubba teeth. You know, you put them, they're fake teeth, and they got a big, large gap in between them. You know, just to kind of get y'all to laugh a little bit. But if you think about your life, I almost did it. My wife is like, no, he didn't right now. Because in the spirit, that is all how we really look. We all have gaps. We all have areas of our lives that we look at that makes us feel less than or unworthy. But the problem is, as you search and skim throughout the entire Bible, God uses frail people who are weak who are fickle, who had lust problems, who had lying problems, who had issues, who couldn't stop cussing Peter. He had gaps. Even when I think about the guy in the Bible who God even says about this guy, never said it about anybody else, he said he found a man who was after his very own heart, David, handsome and godly, could play music, and he was handsome. I mean, that's, you got yourself a catch when, you, when he can play the harp. He can sing, not sing. That's white people's terms. Sang. You didn't know that? It's country. Sang, S-A-N-G. Yeah, exactly. Not sing. He could sing. He, could, he played, you know, for the sheep, and he watched, you know, sheep for a living. He had patience. He, God ended up elevating him, anointing him as king. He ruled for 40 years. Amazingly powerful. He didn't just kill one or two people who were opposing Israel. He killed tens of thousands of people. This is where the other king got jealous. This was Saul, got jealous of David and says, man, this God has everything except my kingdom. I've only slayed thousands. He's slayed tens of thousands. And yet when you, when you look and read through David's life you, life, you find gaps. You find little discrepancies. This is the same guy when God said, I found a man after my own heart. And, I start, and this is before David fell. I mean, David was okay before he started leading. I could really get into that because most people start, they wait to get right before they lead. You'll never be right before you start leading. Leading makes you right. Leadership forces you into growth, doesn't it, Dean? Doesn't it, Rick? Leadership itself will drive you to your knees. If you want to become godly, start leading something. Because you will realize that you have more gaps than you want to admit. You will start feeling all of your weaknesses. You'll, becoming, you'll become severely aware of how weak we truly are. 
which creates dependency on God. And if I'm reading the same Bible that you're reading, I don't know about you, but I read New King James Version, he makes his strength perfect in weakness. I was looking at her. She was, she was like, what is it? Weakness. He makes his strength in weakness. This is how God shows himself strong. Because if, if God can accomplish it only through gifted vessels, God leaves the thing without any credit whatsoever. This is how God makes himself strong and known. And David had gaps. Same guy who murdered his best friend. Same guy who made all of these moral mistakes. Walked away from God for a time, but he was repentant. That's the thing. We will fall. The, the fact of the matter is we must have a repentant heart when we fall. Somebody was, you know, confessing. They treat me like a priest sometimes. Like they pull open the door and they just start confessing to me. I'll be, you know, in a grocery store and somebody will come up to me and they'll just either know I'm a pastor and they just dump all their stuff right there on me. I'm like, can we go in somewhere in private and talk about this? You know, they just start confessing at me. But God uses... He uses the weak things of the world to confound the wise. He uses broken people. He uses people who aren't necessarily gifted and takes what little that they have and he multiplies it. You didn't see Jesus just come with 100,000 baskets of food to feed you know, those 5,000 people. He didn't do that. He used a little. You don't hear what I'm saying this morning. He took five loaves and two fish. He waited till things were really tough. They didn't have enough to do a miracle. And all I'm saying is that in your life, if you look at just a little and you're like, God, you can't use me because I have a little, that's, that little doesn't disqualify you. Actually, that little qualifies you for the blessing and qualifies you for the miracle in your life. All kinds of gaps. Slept with Bathsheba, impregnated her out of wedlock. Kills his best friend. Has Uriah killed. So David, in essence, was an adulterer and a murderer. And as a result, his family looked like the Jerry Springer show. And yet God, you watch Jerry Springer. Looked like Jerry. And let's talk about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, who was the Pharisee of Pharisees, the chief of sinners at the same time. He could quote verbatim. All the entire Torah from Genesis to Leviticus. Am I right in saying that, Tamaki? All five books of the Bible this guy could quote, and yet he was far from Jesus. Didn't know Jesus. He was a murderer. He would kill Christians for a living. The guy, you can't even open up your New Testament Bible and not fall on one of the pages that he wrote. Hebrews, possibly. It was question, but Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, wrote all the, most two-thirds of the New Testament. You can't even open the New Testament without falling on one of his pages, but the problem was, is before his conversion, he was a murderer of Christians. He had gaps. Say he had gaps. And I got a feeling, not even using my prophetic gift in the room as I scan over this room right now, I can guarantee you that there are areas of your life that you're seeing right now because we're in a season where God is stretching us, that you are very well acquainted with your gap this morning. 
whatever that gap, that discrepancy is, you're realizing that if God doesn't break through in this specific area in my life, I'm toast. Let me make it more spiritual. If God doesn't break through in this certain area of my life, my future looks helpless and it looks hopeless. If God doesn't break through in this certain area of my marriage or my heart, maybe for you it's not outwardly, but maybe it's mentally. Maybe it's an area of your life where you're leading at your job and you know that they hired you for that thing and you're realizing that I don't really have the qualifications to bring this company to the next level like they think I can. Or maybe you think, you know, my mom had a great marriage. How in the world did she make it work for 60 years? Because the way I'm feeling right now about my spouse, I don't know if we're going to last another few months. Come on, I'm trying to make it practical. (laughs) Or or maybe you feel that God has put you in a season where you're leading something and you see the vision and you look at the, the, you're counting the money, you're looking at the resources and you're looking and saying, God, there's no way unless you multiply five loaves and two fish, I'm not going to get there. Come on, am I talking to the right people this morning? God, this is how you know you're immature or I'm immature is when you think you can get it done. You ever realize who has teenagers in the room? Look, teenagers just look straight right now. The younger younger that you are in the Lord, I'm talking about in the Lord, not just in the natural. The younger you are in the Lord, the stronger, let me put it like this, the younger you are in the Lord, the more confident that you can get God's will done. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? The more confident you are. But you meet somebody who's been somewhere, you meet somebody who's been walking with the Lord long enough, who has some spiritual scars that you can't see outwardly, that person that says, unless the Lord comes through, I don't know how we're going to get this done. That speaks of maturity. Because people who are young in the Lord and haven't been anywhere or really done anything, they're really confident that they can get things done. This is how teenagers are. No offense, teenagers. It's just, it's just reality. When you, when you come out of the gate, you get out of mom's house or living with mom, and you think you can pay the bills, you think you can get the job done. I would run the household this way. They know how to tell you how to run the household, but can't even you know, wash their own clothes. But when you grow up a little bit, The closer you get to him, the littler you become. This is is how you know you're you're being sanctified in your relationship with Jesus. Is because the littler you become in your own eyes. When you know you're drifting away from Jesus, the bigger you you begin to feel. You feel like you can do it more. So always a sign of... Uh, confidence or too much confidence or arrogance is a sign of immaturity. But I look at all these people all throughout the Bible, all these gaps. I want to make you feel really good about your gaps this morning. Can I just read a few issues that I ran across as I was reading the Bible? Different patriarchs. John the Baptist was homeless. Preaching the gospel. Ate locusts and honey. I mean, the Bible said that there was no man on the earth who was greater than John the Baptist other than Jesus. That's what the Bible said. I didn't say it. And yet this man was homeless, eating locusts and honey. He had a gap. Or he didn't have a home. Abraham was old. Joseph was abused. Moses had a speech impediment. 
Samson, who was the Arnold Schwarzenegger of the Old Testament, was a womanizer and ended up committing suicide. Gideon was afraid, fearful. Rahab was a prostitute. Noah was a drunk. Jacob was a cheater. Come on, that's got to land somewhere this morning. The Samaritan woman that we just read of was married five times and divorced. Jonah ran from the calling of God. Naomi was a widow. Peter denied Jesus three times. Martha was a worrywart. Zacchaeus was as short as Dean and was money hungry. Dean's not money hungry, though. That's the difference. He's just short. You know, he didn't ask me. He didn't ask me to do the tithe and offering. That's what I love. I mean, he asked me early this morning. That wasn't planned, by the way. I loved it. Hosea was married. Excuse me. Uh, Hagar was a wayward woman. John the Beloved was clingy. That was, that was funny. Jesus' own disciples were called to change the world, but couldn't even stay up. Listen to this. They were called to shake the world and couldn't stay up one hour in the garden when Jesus asked them to stay up and pray. So stop giving God all the excuses in the world why you can't accomplish what he's called you to accomplish in this season of your life. As long as you've got breath in your chest and, or in your lungs and you have a yes in your mouth, God can use your gaps to accomplish his will, his purpose, and his timing in your life. So I want to quickly, I want to quickly minister something this morning because I've been feeling like the body of Christ is like, you know, I can't. There's a lot of I can'ts. And if spiritually, only, it's like I feel it in the atmosphere, like all these excuses why we can't accomplish what God has called us to. And I really believe like the body of Christ is on in a season where they're being onslaughted by, onslaughted by all the lies of the enemy. All the lies of the enemy. Always remember this. When the lies get louder, it means because God is up to something. Right. When the enemy is telling you to give up and quit, you're, it's not fruitful. Stop doing it. It doesn't count for anything. It's not leading to anything. You're probably on the verge of God about to do something great in your life. So I want to minister this subject this morning called the God of your gaps. The God of your gaps. Everybody say the God of your gaps. Is this okay this morning? Quickly, I'm going to be very quick. I'm going to drop some points this morning. Very short message. But I want to reassure you of this. Number one, God is drawn to your gaps. You probably never thought about it this way. You know, I never, I grew up deeply insecure. I couldn't tell you why, because my mother told me I can accomplish anything. We didn't have much growing up, but one thing we did not lack was words of affirmation and really good food. <laughs> but there are so many people that I, I talk to, so many people I talk to who, who, do not, who do not feel qualified or they have a thousand excuses of why they can't start this for God. Or why they can't do that. But listen, God is not intimidated by your gaps or your deficiencies. As a matter of fact, it draws him. What do you think draw, drew Jesus to that well? He knew what time of day it was. The reason the woman went in the heat of the day was to avoid the crowds. Jesus knew where she was. And Jesus, drawn by her gap, 
shows up to the well because he wants to minister to her. Because her five failed marriages did not repel him. Can I tell you, drug addictions do not repel him. Weaknesses, a lying tongue, your past, abuse, physical, spiritual, emotional, mental, sexual, whatever it might be, does not repel the Holy Spirit of God. It attracts him to you. Because he makes strength perfect in weakness, he doesn't make his strength perfect in other strength. This is how God makes himself strong. But he's drawn to your gaps. Do you ever realize that arrogant people receive little from God? I have no problem getting up in the pulpit and telling all of my business. I mean, I took the doors off of my closet. I don't even have a closet. Not spiritually or physically, right, honey? I've got like a corner. You know, you know what they say, you know, the bones in the closet. I don't have a closet. I tell everybody on Sunday morning, there's nothing to see. And in the natural, my wife gives me a little spot, like you can put your shoes there and there's your clothes. It's true, honey. You gave me the small closet. You really did. But arrogant people receive little from God because God is repelled by arrogance, but attracted to humility. Let me reward it and make it you know, fun. He's attracted to your gap. He's attracted to the weakness in our lives. It's how God reveals himself strong. It's how he makes up for the lack of something. You know, people oftentimes uh, you know, talk to me about the past of my dad and, you know, hey, this could have happened if he was still alive and that could have happened. I am not grateful that my father was murdered when I was nine. I think I would be... I think I would be uh, not just insensitive, but I think I wouldn't have my head screwed on right to think about what they did to my father, how he was murdered. To even think that that was good would, you know, you need to check me in somewhere. But, but I will say this about it. I've tried to make lemonade out of these lemons. Lemons wouldn't be a right word. It was cyanide, like drinking cyanide, a very traumatic Thing, But I've made lemonade out of these lemons, and I see that from the loss of my dad, because all of us have something in our heart, whether you have mom and dad here or not, we all have something, a shape, a hole in our heart, if you will, and it's in the shape of one thing, the shape of a father, whether you've had one or not. I didn't have one, so you know what it made me do when you see my expressions towards God on a Sunday morning was greatly, I had to make up for that somehow and put that love, that need, I found it in the Lord. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? So, 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 so I believe that God used that in my life to enhance my relationship with him because had I had a father, maybe he would have distorted my fatherly view. Who knows? But all I know is that God worked everything out that the enemy meant for bad, for my good and his glory, and he'll make everything up to you. He'll fill that gap. He'll work out all things together for your good and your glory by filling your gap in your life. Whatever your deficiency is, whatever your lack is, whatever your gap is, God will make up for it because he looks for gaps. Not only do you not repel him by your weaknesses or your gaps, but it attracts him because he wants to show himself strong in your life. He wants to raise you up for such a time as this. Does anybody believe that this morning? And listen, God looks for those opportunities in your life. He looks for them. He's looking even right now. 
He, and you know what? The reason why they stay gaps is because we refuse to give them the gaps and we only show people and we only show God our areas that are full where we got it together. Rick knows this about me. He knows I just tell all my business. That, that is a strategy that I use with God because he goes to fixing stuff when I'm real transparent about it. I'm constantly giving him my gaps, my weaknesses, my dispositions. I told my wife earlier this week, and uh, sometimes there'll be days I just can't even feel God. Like I can't feel his hand. I can't sense him. And it's not about a feeling. We know that, Dean. It's not about a feeling. I guess Dean says that all the time. He reminds me of that. And it's not about a feeling. I'll look for him in his word like, like David did. I look for him in the morning. I look for him in the evening. And I'm looking, can't search him, can't find him. He feels distant from me. I know you, you all never feel like that. You ever search for him and just can't seem to find him? Like you're reading the word, you're looking for a word, you're seeking him, you're praying, and you just can't seem to feel him. I'm very honest about it. And I told my wife, I said, I just feel far from God. Not sinful in my heart, not anything like that, but I, I'm kind of like a, what they would call like a spiritual, um, I don't want to use that word. Yes, that's a better word. A spiritual addict. Like I just, I need to know you're close right here, daddy. I, ne I need you just right about here either in me or beside somewhere in proximity. And when I start feeling distance, I, do, I get grouchy and stuff. You know, I need to know that he's right there with me. But, but the thing is, is when you are open and you're transparent with people and you're open and transparent about your gaps, God will begin to move on your behalf. Right. He, he does not move much on the person in the person's life who has it all together. And you can, and there's many people even in this room. I know your hair is done right for Sunday service and all, but beyond that, there's gaps. Amen. Beyond the cologne, beyond the high heels, beyond the necklace, beyond the glasses, beyond the smile, beyond the Christianese, <laughs> there's gaps where you're not seeing God at work in your life. And I want to make a clarion call this morning to be honest with God about your gaps. Be honest with God. Be honest with people about your gaps. And God seems to move what I've found about him. He moves more on the behalf of those who are honest about their gaps. It's not, not necessarily making it publicly known to everybody, but find somebody you can be honest with about your weaknesses. You want me to give you Bible scripture? It says in the book of Timothy or James, it says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you might be healed. Something about confessing and saying, hey, look, I don't have it all together. Would you pray for me? That, that, that where you experience the hand of God through that confession, being honest about your gap. And when I look all throughout the Bible, the people who, people who got Jesus' attention the most were the ones who were open about their gap. I can't help but think, I don't even have this in my notes, but when I, think about, when I think about the woman with the issue of blood who pressed through the crowd, that's a gap. This woman was going to die. She was hemorrhaging for 12 years, and she got the miracle. Look at all these people throughout the Bible that Jesus healed. Those people he healed were honest and open and transparent. Most people who stay in their situations prolonged are those who don't want nobody to know. God forbid somebody know you don't have it all together. God forbid for someone to think that you are perfect. 
that you're a perfect leader. Plus, nobody believes it. We can see beyond that big S on your shirt. We know there's a Clark Kent under there somewhere. Say, he's the God of my gap. Listen to this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10. At least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelations. A thorn was given to me in the flesh. Say, this was Paul. This was Paul, who was a murderer of Christians, now converted, would eventually give his life to Christ fully and give his life for it, actually. He's saying, a thorn, because of what God has given me, the abundance of revelation, the wisdom, the knowledge, the understanding, the understanding of the scriptures. He's prophetic. He's got all the gifts of the Spirit. He's an apostle, so he, he operates in all five areas of the offices, which would be, you know, prophet, teacher, pastor, and so on. So he's got all these great giftings, and he's saying, hey, listen, because I have this stuff, God has given me something. He's given me a gap. He calls it a thorn. Does everybody hear what I'm saying this morning? Say a gap. He said a thorn, because I have these things, a thorn in the flesh was given to me. I want you to think about whatever you're dealing with this morning, that gap, whatever it is. And it, listen, it might not be a spouse. It might not even be financial, but maybe it is. It might not be emotional issues, something mental. Maybe, 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 maybe it's the posture of your heart. Maybe, maybe I'm, God doesn't give sickness. I do not believe that. I believe that's a result of living in a fallen world. God doesn't give people sick, get people sick or give sickness. Does everybody understand that? Theologically, I can prove that wrong time and time again. God does not give sickness, but he gives weaknesses. Amen. He allows weaknesses to take place. How do I know that? Least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me or to beat me up. Least I should be exalted above measure. Now watch this. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And you know what he said to me? My grace is sufficient. I love this part of the verse. I've quoted already. My strength is made perfect in weakness. And watch what Paul does. Therefore, I most gladly will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest in me. God shows himself strong through the weaknesses of our lives. Second point, God creates gaps. You ever realize that prideful people always eventually have to go through something really hard to bring them low? If, if you deal with pride, and I have dealt with this immensely in the past, where God would bring me low to humble me, and he will, if he can't find a gap, he'll create one. If God knitted you together in your mother's womb, listen, he knitted you with a gap. You know what David said? In my mother's womb, in, in, in sin was I conceived. In other words, I was born in this world with a gap. Do you know what God's ultimate desire is for you? I talked a little bit about it last week. His ultimate desire is for us, for you, for me, to be conformed into the image of Jesus. Is that established? Amen. Secondly, it's just to be close to you. Who knows that song? Just to be close to you. He wants closeness with you. He wants intimacy. He wants, he wants relationship. He wants 
real, true, genuine fellowship. And it's hard to be close to someone when there's not honesty. Isn't it funny? Because I, I, it's, it's not funny. But do you know how many times I have had to raise my hands if I, as if I've had no issues? You know, because we can cover up our gaps by lifting hands and shouting and praise the Lord and hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, and all of these terminologies we use in order to cover up our, our, our lack of spirituality. Come on, am I the only one who's done that? Come on. The worse you feel inside, the louder you get externally. Your gaps are to drive you to God, not away from him. And this is what I'm seeing in the body of Christ more than ever. I'm about to close in just a moment if we could try to minimize a lot of moving around. But your gap is to drive you to God. And here's what I found out, Rick, more than anything. Is this okay, everybody? Is this, is this hitting somewhere home? Everybody feeling a gap this morning? We, we feel that? Like, why isn't this working? Why isn't this happening? God, I feel weak. I can't do this. Why aren't you moving on my behalf? And God is not enjoying watching you suffer, but he's, 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 he's thrilled at the thought that you would give him your gap so that he can accomplish that thing that he promised you. And he's waiting for you to give him the gap or the deficiency or whatever it might be. And here's what I found out. He'll use any gap no matter how large the size. Okay, let me just make it spiritual. No matter how deep the sin or how bad the issue is, God can use your gaps, but you know what he can't use? Your excuses. He cannot use excuses. In the book of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 24 through 28, watch this. It's about the talents. Say the talents. God dropped a revelation in my heart that just about just knocked me completely over. It says, then he who had received one talent, this is God showing you how it works in his kingdom and how he disperses talents. Has everybody heard the, the parable of the talents? Who's not heard the parable of the talents? It's okay if you've never heard of it before. The parable about the talents, he said, then he who had received one talent, this is God giving certain talents out to people, and he said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man reaping where you have not sown. This is the guy who received one. There was one who received one. There was a gentleman who received two. Another gentleman received four. And then another gentleman received five. Did I get that right? Was, excuse me, one, two and, two, and five. That's right. And so this guy who had received one, he's the only one out of the entire, those three men who didn't do anything with the talent. You know what he did? He buried it. He buried it. He didn't do anything with it. The man who, who earned two talents, he went and earned two more, and God elevated him in the kingdom and said, look, you've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you a ruler over many things. The guy who had five talents, he's faithful with it. He gains five more, and God gives him kingdoms. Okay, So he was faithful with a little. Say he was faithful with a little. But this guy who received one says this. He makes excuses. He said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathered where you have not scattered seed, and I was afraid. I don't care if all you have is a counseling gift. I don't care if all you have is a good smiling face. That's a talent. 
I don't care if it's holding the door, smiling at people, saying, welcome to Ascension Christian Center. Amen. Come on. I don't care if it's holding babies. I don't care what it is. Whatever your talent is, you might be great at managing finances in the business world, whatever your talent looks like. But he said, I was afraid, and I went and put your talent in the ground and did nothing with it. Look, and he goes to give it back to the Lord. Look, you have what is yours. But the Lord said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. I didn't write it. New King James Version. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed, and you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers that at my coming I would have received back with interest. Therefore, take that talent from the man who only had one and did nothing with it and give it to him who has 10 talents. You know why? This guy got treated so harshly by the Lord. The reason God dealt with him so harshly was because this man valued his excuses more than he valid, uh, valued the talent that God gave him. Some of us use our excuses like pacifiers. That's tough, I know. You, you know how I know and I can talk to you like this? Because that's what I did for over a decade. I said, Lord, I can't speak in front of people. My feet sweat. I'd have to, you know what my father, I got it from my dad. He got it from his daddy. If you still see my hands, they still sweat like dripping sweat when I'm up here. Still break out. Sometimes I have to button my collar all the way up so you can't see all the red welts all over my neck. It's hard to believe. And I kept refusing it from the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know how to do much, but I could talk, but I couldn't talk well in front of people. I asked my mother. I would skip school if I knew I had to speak in front of the class. Ask her. She said, son, I thought you went to school today. They're telling me you're tardy. <laughs> Dozens of times throughout the year. Kept trying to bury the talent. Kept trying to put it in the ground. And, and, and here's, here's the issue. The man with two talents, he could have complained that he didn't have five. Yeah. Be careful you don't complain about what little you have. Excuse me, be careful about complaining about what little you have. It amazes me. I'm going to make this a little practical. It amazes me how many people have an older model car but don't take care of it. <laughs> or with whatever little sphere of influence you have and God's not promoting you in that and you're like, you're waiting for God to do something bigger and better. But you know what? God's waiting for you to be faithful more in that area so that he can trust to promote you into the next level of blessing. Do be faithful with what little God has given you. God does not waste talents and he will not waste promotions. When we are faithful with a little. Does everybody hear what I'm saying? Say be faithful with a little. And be careful that you don't complain about the little that you have. Dance around that little Honda. Lay hands on it. Tell it, don't wear out like the children of Israel's shoes. You know, their shoes didn't wear out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe this morning, maybe you're feeling a huge gap in your life. Maybe there's a loss. And you're like, God, I don't know how I'm going to survive this. This, this, this heartache, this, this thing that I'm facing, this emotional thing, this loss of a child, 
this, this, this gap, whatever your gap looks like. And there's lots of different sized gaps in this room. How am I going to survive this? How am I going to move forward? And you know all that God has allowed this to happen, not caused, but allowed it to happen and to be there to draw you to himself. God is not, I would not go as, to far, as far to say, well, God says it about himself. He said, I, the Lord, am a jealous God. We're not, it's, it's, it's not good for us to be jealous. We all know that, right? That's a work of the flesh. But God is the only one who has permission to be jealous. And what is he jealous of? You. You and me. When we turn our attention to other things, God gets jealous. When something gets elevated, a career, uh, even a relationship, God, God will get jealous over that thing because he wants all of our attention. He wants, he wants all of our, our, he wants preeminence. He wants first place in our lives. And God will use that certain gap in your life to draw you to himself. Look at what 2 Corinthians says. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 5. I'm almost done. You can stand to your feet, actually. It says this, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5. This is the apostle Paul speaking. Say Paul. Paul. Yeah. He said, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God. You know what sufficiency means? Sufficient, sufficiency is something, that's exactly what it is. It's enough of that thing to achieve that purpose or to fulfill a need. He's sufficient, Rick. He is. You, you know what I found out? I have found out with as much times I've been disappointed by people, places, things, money, career, and all of those things. And all of those things will eventually fail you. Listen, people will fail you. Unfortunately, the loved ones that we have one day, we will not be standing next to at some point. You know, I hope me and her go to heaven together. But everything in its time will ultimately disappoint. And when all that stuff all goes away, I found this one thing out. God is sufficient. People will give limited sufficiency for seasons. But the Lord says, I, the Lord, never change. He is sufficient. We have to get that as grow out of this and mature in our relationship with Jesus to understand he is all sufficient. Things will disappoint you. Listen, your finances will change. Have you not figured that one out yet? It always changes. Listen, listen. That person you're standing next to has changed five times since you've been with them. Dean said 10. Have I changed at all, honey? Oh, yeah, she said. For better or no? Oh, well, we'll it's better for worse anyway. We'll talk later. <laughs> Everything changes, everybody changes. Houses change. People's attitudes change. Our body changes. I'm 37. I'm like, this used to be tighter. You know? <laughs> he said, I'm looking a little flabby. 
God doesn't change. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. And you know what I found out? That all those people that I mentioned in the Bible, all those patriarchs, Rick, Cheryl, all those gaps that they had, God never changed. He still is using gaps today. And he'll use yours. That gap in your heart. Gap in your mind. So what? You don't have a relationship. God will fill the gap until he brings you that relationship. So what? That that ministry thing or that business thing is not flourishing in the way that you want it to or have desired it or envisioned it. God will be the gap. God will make up for the gap. I lastly want to say this. When I think about Jesus's life, there's a scripture in the New Testament that says Jesus came to do one thing. Yes, he came to die for humanity. We know that. We don't diminish that. That is the primary reason he, he came. But it says that he came to fulfill all things. Fill all things. Say fill. Yeah. He came to fulfill. He came to fill gaps in people's lives. I don't know what you're struggling with this morning, but God can be the God of your gap this morning. I believe that we're entering into a season where we, we can no longer afford excuses on why we can't do what God is calling us to do, no matter what it is. No more excuses. No more excuses. He's bigger than that gap. Jesus came to fill a tomb with a resurrected Savior come Sunday morning. He filled it until he was overflowing and that rock moved out of the way and he came out in his resurrected body and his glorified body. When it came to feeding the 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish, he filled that gap. He filled the gap. Remember his first wedding, the first wedding he went to in Cana. He went to a wedding feast. The first miracle ever done. There were six water pots. They ran out of wine. This is a good excuse. If you, some of you, you know, drinkers, casual drinkers like this verse more than all the verses of the Bible. He turned water into wine. I hate saying that. Why did he do that? I'm just kidding. He filled empty. And you know, there were six water pots. I know this might be super deep. This is just coming to me. Six water pots. The number six represents man. That's what in the Hebraic. Uh, did you know that? The number six represents man. God's whole design coming to humanity was to fill empty man and woman. That's what he came for. Other than dying for them and dying for the sins of humanity, which he did. That is the ultimate reason Jesus came, but he also came to fill us of our gaps. Some of your gaps started in childhood. When you were a little girl, a little boy, it's maybe why you're struggling today. Maybe it's in your career this morning. Maybe your gap is in your relationship with the Lord. Maybe you didn't feel the Lord at all when you were in this place this morning. But my prayer is that this morning, whatever you're battling with, no matter what the gap looks like, 
Jesus died to fill the gap and he sent his Holy Spirit to fill empty places. And I pray that's what he does this morning all over this room. Fill every empty heart, Jesus. Fill every empty place. Every single empty place. I pray that you would sink this message so deep in your people's heart. Lord, let this, it's a, it's a fun title, but Lord, let, let this word truly awaken some, someone's heart this morning. Let it awaken someone back to life in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to tell you this last quick thing. Quick, quick story. Everybody look at me really fast. I was told a story not that long ago. I thought it was so powerful and profound. I go on, a, I like to go on boats and be on the water. And I was, I was told about two gentlemen who jumped out of a boat. They were really far from land. And it was absolutely impossible for either one of them to make it to shore. It's too far. And one died 500 feet from the shore. And one of them died 50 feet from the shore. Neither one, impossible to make it. Absolutely impossible. The waves, the undercurrents, the undertoes, too treacherous. It, they both died. And I, and, I, and I thought about that, how it applies to us spiritually, is that it is impossible for us to get to land, heaven. Let me make this real practical. Land, heaven, heaven, land. It's impossible for us to get there without a savior. Without Jesus, we will all drown. Do you understand that? Jesus is the life raft. He's the life raft. It's impossible. So, so, so what that the gentleman died 50 feet from the water? He didn't beat the guy who died 500 feet because neither one made it to land. There's some people in this room might be more holy than you, holier. But I tell you, without Jesus, all of us will fall short from reaching it to land. Without the cross of Jesus Christ, we all fall short. What am I trying to say? Is that the cross of Christ and the Holy Spirit is the only thing to bridge the gap. Doesn't matter if you have a 50-foot gap. Rick has about a three-foot gap. I've got like a 100-foot gap. Listen. Your gap will never ultimately go away. Maria, we will live with the gap for the rest of our lives. Without the gap, we won't need him. To not have a gap would exclude our need for him. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.